Merry Christmas to everyone. Going through our Advent series, and uh, uh, we are um, probably, predictably for many of you, you know, we, we start tossing around all of these kind of mushy-gushy words around Christmas time, and uh, like peace, hope, faith, love, and, uh, and uh, today we're going to be talking about hope. And uh, I hope that as we are discussing it, um, you're going to find that the hope that we are looking at is something so much stronger and more solid than what most people mean when they talk about hope. I mean, you, you hear people toss around the word hope, and a lot of times it's kind of, for me, it's like, you know, in, in The Princess Bride, I, I feel like saying, you know, you keep using this word, I do not think it means what you think it means. Um, we all need hope, especially, you know, after this twin apocalypses of 2020 and 2021, uh, which, you know, was, has been just uh, like tragedy after tragedy. We've had, you know, the pandemic for going on two years now. Uh, we've had political upheavals. We've had economic um, instability. We've had pajama pants, fashion. Uh, what's up with that? Um, no, but seriously, uh, after these last two years, I think we could all use some hope. We could all use a little bit of um, hope because a lot of us, we're, we're feeling beaten down. We're feeling worn out. We're feeling maybe even a little bit jaded, maybe a little bit hard-hearted, um, cynical, and we, we need some hope. And so I want to talk this morning about what hope is. Because, uh, you know, if we think about what the way, the path the world has for hope is not the path that we're following, okay? You ask most people, you know, what hope is, and when they define it, it'll sound something like a wish. Or it'll sound like a, an unfounded optimism, it's kind of the, the, the lottery fantasy. You know, I hope I win the Powerball lottery, which is really, no, you don't hope you do. You wish you would win the Powerball lottery. Maybe you even have an unfounded, irrational optimism that you will win the Powerball lottery. And if that is what you think hope is, that's actually delusional which, if it goes on for more than two weeks, is a mental illness. And so, um, when, when our society cannot tell the difference between a psychological disorder and hope, uh, we know we're in trouble. So, we're going to look at what is hope? Like, what, what, what are we talking about when we say hope? And we're going to answer three questions this morning. The first question is, where does hope come from? Like, where, what's the source? Where's the, the, the place that we go to when we, when we need hope? Where does hope come from? The second question we're going to look at is, is what does hope look like? What, what is it? What, what are we, we going to expect to see when we're looking for hope? And the third question is, what do we place our hope in? 
Like, what's the object of our hope? Um, and so we're going to look at uh, Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 38, to answer these questions. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to Luke chapter 2, 22 through 38. In this story, um, Jesus is eight days old, and he's... Um, he hasn't performed any miracles yet. He hasn't said anything profound. He's just kind of this squirmy, blotchy little bundle that eats, sleeps, and poops. Um, you know, I, I love the song Silent Night, but as a parent, like, really. I don't think they were enjoying a lot of silent nights. Um, when Jesus was eight days old. Uh, but, um, you know, in this story, his parents go to the temple to um, do the, the redemption of their firstborn sacrifice, which is a, a way that they had in the, in the Jewish community of, of declaring this child belongs to God. And so they go to the, the temple, and there they meet these two crusty old saints who are living embodiments of what hope looks like. And, and in this encounter with these two elderly people in the temple, um, they learn what hope is. And we're going to answer our first question, where do we find hope as we look at um, verses 22 through 28. So uh, let's Let's read this, and we're going to find, where do we find hope? We're going to find that hope is found through listening to the Scriptures and to the Spirit. Hope is discovered when we open ourselves to what the Bible says and to what the Spirit is saying. You'll, you'll, you'll notice as we read through this, several times you'll hear this, this phrase, according to the law of the Lord, or or the law of Moses, which is the Torah. That's, it's the scriptures that they had back then. And, so, and you'll also see several times uh, the, the, the indication that they're listening to the Holy Spirit. So um, Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 28 says this, And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as is written in the law of the Lord. Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit, that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God. And we're going to stop right there. You hear it, right? This potent one-two punch of the scriptures, and the spirit. You, you, you saw that in, in this passage, didn't you? Um, 
And think about it. If Mary and Joseph were not obeying what the Scriptures said, they would never have had this encounter with the Holy Spirit's direction for their child. And as we align our lives with the the Bible, with the Scriptures, we can then expect that the Holy Spirit will then give further and, and more detailed instructions to each of our lives about what he's doing. Now, most, <clears throat> most Christians get usually at least half of this right. You have word Christians and you have spirit Christians. And word Christians are all about the Bible, the scriptures, like follow the Bible. And I say yes and amen. We should absolutely build our lives on the solid foundation of the Scripture. But the problem is a lot of word Christians want to confine Jesus to this little book and say that's, that's, where, he, that's where he does things. He, we can keep him on the shelf because that's where, that's where the God is at work in this book, but not out here where where I'm, I'm doing things. Contrast that with the typical spirit Christian. Spirit Christians are all about hearing from God and being open to the fresh anointing and word of God, which I say yes and amen. We absolutely need to be open to hearing what God is doing in our lives, particularly today. But unfortunately, a lot of spirit Christians are not all that concerned about what God has already says and aligning what they are hearing with what God has said. And so sometimes they'll go off the rails in some strange ways. Now here at Antioch, we realize we need both. We need the Word of God to build a solid foundation that gives us clarity of what God is up to throughout the throughout history but we also need to be attentive to what god is doing today in our lives because the same god that's here in the scriptures is also here in our hearts and if we are looking to the scriptures and seeing that hebrews 13:8 says jesus christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then we can recognize the God that was at work in here is also at work out here. And so the God that, that spoke the universe into existence is also speaking life and truth into our lives for today. The same God who, who, who spoke to Moses through the burning bush and led the people of Israel out of Egypt out into their promised land is also at work in our lives bringing about a new freedom for us today the same god who helped david to conquer goliath in the scripture is the same god who's going to be with us as we face the giants and the challenges of life in our world today that's a place of hope where we're listening to what God is like in the scriptures, and we're assuming that God is this God who's at work in our lives today. That's a place where we can find hope. 
So that's question number one. Where do we find hope? We listen to the scriptures and we listen to the spirit. <clears throat> okay, question number two. What does hope look like? What's, what's the nature of hope? What's, it, what's, it, what's, what's the essence of hope? And we're going to find that answer in verses 25 through 26 and verses 36 through 38. We're going to see what hope is like. We're going to see that hope is waiting in expectation to receive a good yet unseen. Hope is waiting with this assurance that something good is coming. It's, it's coming to God with open hands, with empty hands, expecting that God will fill them. Expecting, not wishing, not having some kind of a, a unfounded optimism, but expecting that God is going to fill our lives with good things as we open ourselves up and wait. So let's, let's look at verses 25 through 26. <clears throat> now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now skip ahead to verses 36 through 38. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin. And then as a widow, until she was 84, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. So what does hope look like? It looks like waiting. And we hate waiting. You know, when I was, when I was young and you ordered something, it would always say, please wait four to six weeks for delivery. <laughs> and, and, and now with Amazon, it's like, if it takes more than three days, you're like, whoa, what's going on? Did they get something wrong here? Why is it taking so long? Now they got Amazon same-day delivery, like you order it in the morning, and by the afternoon, like, there's the package waiting on your doorstep. I mean, at this rate, you know, they'll have Amazon two days ago delivery. Like, you hit order, and then you open the door and find it was waiting there for the last couple of days. We don't like waiting. And hope includes this tension this experience, this uneasy experience of waiting. And waiting is hard because it's, 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 it means that you want something and you don't have it. It means that, that there's something that, that you're, you're expecting, but it's, you can't enjoy it right now. 
It's that tension between the now and the not yet, which we've talked about, which that's where Christians live their lives is in that tension between now and not yet. And it means waiting. And sometimes it means waiting a long time. Like, you, you notice in this passage, we, we saw the word waiting twice. Simeon was waiting for the, the consolation of Israel. And then Anna was, was waiting with this community of hope for the redemption of Jerusalem. And it, and it goes out of its way to sort of um, emphasize how long that Anna had been waiting. Like, if you do the math here, she had been a widow waiting for over 60 years. And in that culture, it's not so much in our culture, but in that culture, a widow was someone without hope, someone who was just kind of a non-contributing member of society. And after, after her husband died, the, the cultural expectation is like, okay, all the good's done for her. She's just, you know, taking up space. And yet for 60 years, this woman, Anna, lived with this life-giving hope, this sense that God has placed me on this earth with something good in store that no matter what I'm going through right now, God has a good that I'm, I'm, I'm going to be living into that good, even if it takes my entire life. And I know some of you guys in this church are like that woman, just filled with this fire of hope because you know that if God still has you on this earth, he's got a plan. He's got some good things in store for you. He's got some, some, some works that you're going to do to bring hope to the, to the broken. He's got some, some, some works for you to do to pray your family, your children, your grandchildren into his kingdom. He's got some things for you to do that are going to just bring more of his good, more of his kingdom into this world. And that's Anna's heart was, she was driven. She was living in this, in this hope for decades. This life that came from recognizing I'm waiting, but I'm not just waiting. I'm waiting in expectation for this good that God is going to be doing. And I'm waiting because God has promised so much good for my life that I'm, I'm going to live into that as long as I have breath. <clears throat> okay, question three. <clears throat> We've seen where hope comes from. We've seen what it looks like when it appears. And now we have to ask, what should we place our hope in? What is the object of our hope? <clears throat> and this is important because misplaced hopes will only lead to disappointment. When you put your hope in the wrong things, it's going to end up crushing you. 
Our hopes need to be aligned with reality, not a wish, not an unfounded optimism, reality. And so we need to put our hope in the right thing. So where do we place our hope? We're going to look at verses 25 through 35, and we'll find that like Anna and Simeon, we should place our hope in the Messiah and trust him to bring about his good purposes. Let's, let's read 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. That's a technical Old, Te- Old Testament term for um, the, the, the messianic hope, the, the Messiah is coming. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold this child appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. We should place our hope in the Messiah and trust him to bring about his good purposes. Now, there's, this is a little bit complicated, so I'm going to line out some of the the implications that come from this. When, when Simeon sees the Christ child, he basically says, okay, God, you can take me now. I've seen your Christ. I've seen the thing that's going to bring about all of, these, all of these good things. His hope is in the Messiah, in this Christ child, not in the outcomes that we all want when we hope. His, his, his hope is in the, the person of Jesus himself. And he knew that number one, this, you can see all these descriptions that, that show up throughout the passage, the Messiah will bring consolation, which is a, a fancy word for, for comforting presence. Like It's like God coming alongside someone that's hurting and saying, I'm here for you. The Messiah is there to bring peace. We also see salvation, like that that God fixing what's broken, repairing and and making right what is not right. Um, Revelation, glory, redemption, all of these kind of big overarching descriptions show up throughout this passage. And this is what the Messiah is all about. This is his purposes. We know he is about these purposes. And so as we place our hope in the Messiah, we know that we can trust him to bring about these purposes. 
but it might not look exactly like what we expect. The outcome, how he goes about bringing salvation, consolation, peace, it might not exactly fit our expectations. <clears throat> See, Simeon had a lot more insight than most of the, the people at this time. When he describes what the Messiah is about, most of the people were expecting the Messiah to come and bring consolation to Israel by destroying the Gentiles. That's what most of the Jews were expecting. They want the Messiah to show up and do this. And Simeon says, hold on, no, no, that's not what the Messiah is going to do. He's not just here to bring salvation to our little world and make our little lives a little bit better. He's here to bring a global salvation and freedom to the entire human race. This, this full worldwide revolution that is starting right here in Israel at this moment is going to impact the world for millennia. And all they're thinking about is they want a Messiah to make their lives a little bit easier. And I'll be honest. Most of the time where my expectations and God's expectations don't line up, it's because I'm wanting the Messiah, just a little Messiah, to come in and make my life a little bit easier. I want him to just help me to, to have a more easy, comfortable life. And the more I get to know Jesus, the actual Messiah, the Messiah that is here to change the world and to change our lives and to bring about this world historical movement, and he wants to sweep up our lives into that movement, and my expectations are usually way too small for that kind of a thing. See, the problem is, God wants to do great things in your life. He wants to make you a, a heroic warrior, a, a, a person of glory and greatness. And, and that means you might face some challenges. It, it, it means life is not going to be this nice, easy, like, cakewalk through from cradle to grave. Everything works out nicely and God clears out the way so that nothing bad happens. The Messiah is here to bring about a glorious, all-encompassing, global, world, um, life-giving revolution. And he wants each of us to be a part of that. And so that's what he's about. And the third thing that Simeon says is a little bit, a little bit alarming. It's a little uncomfortable. He tells Mary, behold, this child, this is verse 34 through 35, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed 
and the sword will pierce through your own soul also. Hoping in the Messiah may also include some conflict and pain. He's not here to just rescue you from every moment of conflict. And sometimes, sometimes pursuing God's purposes is painful. And we don't want to be um, unaware of that. The hope that we're looking for is not there to protect us from the pain. The hope of Christ is there to propel us through the pain. It's there to not protect us from conflict. It's there to give us courage and give us a sense of his strength that will get us through this conflict in a way that will bring life and joy and purpose and, and all of these things that we need to do to, to fulfill what God is trying to do in our lives, which his plan for you is so much bigger than your own plan. His plan for you is, is to bring hope to you and through you to others. And our, if you're signed up for that, he has amazing things in store for you. That you can expect that th there is some good things in your future as long as you're willing to, to let him define what those good things are and to fit under his umbrella of what he's doing. It will be a good beyond what we can imagine. So I know that some of us We've hoped for God to do some good things in our lives, and we've been disappointed. Like, we, we've, we've prayed for healing, and God didn't bring healing. We've, we've asked God to, to, you know, to, to work in this ministry opportunity that we thought was going to be the place where we were going to, to serve him, and the doors were closed, and just, it felt like a slap in the face. And if we're not careful, that, that disappointed hope will turn into that cynicism, that sense of, well, been there, tried that, didn't work. But as we're praying for and hoping for God to do these things like salvation, consolation, it, we're praying for him to, do, to bring about his glory, we can expect that somehow or other he is going to bring those about. We might not know when, we might not know how, but we can expect that he's going to do that. I had this pastor friend who uh, watched helplessly as his son drifted away from God. And it just seemed like no matter what he did, and he did everything right. I mean, he wasn't pushy. He, he, he brought him to church, and he, he, he did daily devotions with him. He, he showed him, you know, what it, what it, how good it was to follow God and, and memorize Scripture, and, and, but he didn't force anything on him. And, and just the disappointment of watching his son 
as he went through high school, just stray away from the Lord. And he watched him begin to, to hang out with the wrong crowd and to stay out past curfew partying. And, and, and he watched his heart grow cold to God. And this pastor just said, okay, God, my hope is in you. My hope is in you. I don't know how or when or why. I'm just going to pray and I'm going to wait and I'm going to hope and I'm going to keep doing that and just see what you do. And he just did that for years. Sometimes that's, that's what hope looks like. We don't know how long it's going to take. We don't know what God is going to do. But we know that God has a plan and a purpose. And we know that God loves that person more than we love them ourselves. And that pastor friend, well, let me, let me, I, did, I neglected to tell you, he's not just my friend, he's my father. And that kid that was straying away, that was me. And he placed his hope in God that somehow God was going to bring salvation. And God did. God, God did. So, <clears throat> this morning, this morning, I don't know where you're at. I don't know what your disappointments are. I don't know what those things are that, that have burdened your heart. Maybe, you, maybe you've had a dream that just has been crushed. Maybe you've, maybe you've pursued what you thought was God's will and the door slammed in your face. I don't know what it is that you're, you're bringing to God this morning. But I want to invite you to let the Holy Spirit restore hope in your life today. We watch these beautiful children up here singing and that that childlike hope that they demonstrated can be yours again when you're willing to just say god i don't know what it's going to look like i don't know how you're going to do it i don't know when you're going to do it but i can expect based on your word, based on who I know you to be in Scripture, and even based on what the Holy Spirit has spoke to me personally, I know that you have good in store for me, and I'm willing to step out in faith, and even to, to step out into, into some pain, step out into a little bit of, of, of uncertainty, knowing that uh, it's, it's, it's up to God. I place my hope in him and I know his character. I know what he's pursuing and I know he has some good out there for me. And I want to invite you this morning. Open up your heart again to him in hope and let God restore that place of expectation that he is up to something good. Can we have the worship team and the prayer team come forward? <clears throat> Some of you this morning just need to open up your hands to him 
and say, I've been holding on to this outcome that I've waited for you to bring, and I just want to open my hands and let you do what you're going to do here. I'm going to let you answer this prayer. I'm going to let you bring about the good according to your best purpose. And I'm not going to tell you how you have to do it. I, I'm going to ask for what I want, but I'm going to let you answer that prayer according to your great wisdom and goodness. Some of you this morning are in a place where you're like, I, I don't even have that kind of a, a relationship with God where God can speak to me. And, and I, I mean, my, my life has been all about me. And I want to invite you this morning open your life up to the Messiah who's here to bring salvation, here to bring goodness, here to bring healing and hope, and just say, okay, do your good in my life. And I also just want to invite some of you. Some of you need to step out and take a risk and say, I think this is what you're telling me to do. And I'm going to expect that even if I make a mistake, I'm going to step out on what I think God is saying and ask for healing, ask for God's provision, ask for God to do something good and expect that God is going to answer that prayer, whether it's exactly what you expect or not. Let's pray. Lord God, you are our Messiah and you are the object of our hope. You are so, so committed to each of our good that we don't have to worry about trusting you. You are trustworthy. We open our hearts to you and we invite you to do your best in our lives. In Jesus' name.